this girl who looked as though she was about 6'2 in this tiny white bikini and white <laughs> space boots comes walking up and she had like a volunteer thing around her neck and she said i'm sorry please don't throw that here and i said oh i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean to to any harm and she said this is the temple Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where each episode we share the stories of individuals that are living out their bucket slash life goal lists. I am your host, Roger Williams, and through hearing our guests' adventures, my goal is that you will find encouragement and empowerment to add and cross items off of your list. everyone for coming to another episode of the crossing off podcast i am so excited about this episode this is something that uh, i've had on my bucket list for a while uh, and i'm not sure if i'm going to keep it there so i'm expecting my guests to kind of help me work through that so my guest today is david skip and he describes himself as a father an adventurer a waterman and a world traveler david thank you for being here thanks roger uh, i've been looking forward to this it'll be yeah. fun I agree. So tell us, what did you cross off your bucket list? I crossed off attending Burning Man, um, which uh, I guess I'll tell you about as we proceed. Yeah. So Burning Man is uh, a thing that happens out in the desert in Nevada, I believe. People have lots of misconceptions maybe about what it is. So what is Burning Man? Well, um, as you as you implied, Burning Man is one of the most uh, uh, misunderstood events in the world, uh, and it's truly something that um, is very difficult to describe unless you go and experience it. And once you do, uh, there is sort of a common um, effect that uh, informs participants, um, and everybody sort of gets it after nine days in the desert. Many people, when they ask you about your the experience, they they think it's a big music festival. Mm -hmm. uh, of of course, music's huge um, and really um, weaves everything together. Uh, but it's not uh, a music festival. There are no music acts. Uh, well, no formal right. uh, big time music act. Um, also, people, everyone thinks that it's this fabulous love orgy um <laughs> which it, it certainly uh it certainly has some of those elements but it's quite a unique thing it's really an ongoing experiment i think every year is is an experiment uh of bringing a huge number of people we're now around seventy thousand wow. from all over the world extremely diverse group of people all celebrating what's possible interacting with other human beings and it involves, uh, as everyone knows, large-scale monumental art, small art, mm -hmm. um, exploring any way you want of communicating with, with each other, uh, celebrating the human body uh, in all of its forms, and completely forgetting for about nine days this barrage that affects all of us of consumerism and mm. materialism. And, uh, you know, you really don't, you don't quite get get it until you go there the effect of not being surrounded by branding and mm -hmm. logos and the come on so that's tremendous um and then you immediately have to learn to drop 
this ingrained tendency of all of us to prejudge people. Mm. You know, you see somebody and go, oh, uh, or you hear somebody's voice and you somehow subconsciously or automatically uh, prejudge. And then having a huge amount of fun in a psychedelic setting over a whole bunch of days. So it's pretty much the best damn thing in the world for, <laughs> for nine days. And like a vacation, your happiest day is when you drive onto the playa. And the second happiest is when you leave. Wow. So tell us, you know, this is about your story of, of getting there. When and why did you put this thing on your bucket list? Well, about 20 years ago, um, I read some article uh, about Burning Man. I immediately thought of my daughter. Um, she was about 13 at the time. And since she was born, has been a very, very self-aware person mm -hmm. and supremely creative, uh, constantly, just spontaneously creating and expressing uh, in very interesting ways. And so I, I thought about her and I told her about it. And I said, you know, um, you and I are going to go do this thing. She, she and I have a long history of canoeing and camping together. I remember driving through rural Florida and she was just a kid. And um, she's like, of course, rapidly thumbing on her phone. <laughs> and she goes, well, dad, this is going to be the first ever camping trip tweeted on twitter and twitter had just come out right uh and so she's always been uh this adventurer and a, a partner in crime with me and so i thought about uh this i told her about it uh and then because it happens sort of like the summer solstice it always takes place right about the time that school starts uh -huh. last week of august first, first week, week of, of september, september. And so for many, many years, it was just a great idea that we always joked about. And it wasn't until she was in graduate school at the California Institute of the Arts, CalArts, that, that we managed to pull it off. And so what drew you to this event? I mean, there's events all over the world, all different kinds of things. Share with the audience. I mean, you, most people think this is like a young person's thing. So, so talk about that a little bit. Like, what drew you at your age at that time to say, "I want to do this"? That's a great question, and I don't really have a, an answer. I think what what really drew me to it uh, and my daughter was this idea of um, there. There are ten principles mm -hmm. that uh, that were developed around Burning Man over the decades, uh, and they're the 10 principles. Uh, they're great things to live a, a good uh, secular life by. And one of them is radical inclusion. Another is radical self-sufficiency. Mm. And I think we love the idea of, we always love getting ready for camping and the idea of putting together the essentials that you need to survive in a completely hostile environment and then uh, to go and meet um, other wildly creative people. Mm -hmm. And concerning age, that's right. It really uh, looks like a young person's event. And I think that probably it would be ideal to start going to Burns around the age of 25. <laughs> but I've always felt as though I'm about 28 since since I was 28. And um 
Uh, it just looked like something that would be an absolute blast. And, you know, one of, uh, I think uh, my daughter Eli and I, we've always bonded over Monty Python. You know, one of their sayings is, and now for something completely, completely different. different. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was it. Yes. Oh, and, and lastly, but and perhaps most importantly, Eli uh, embraced the idea wholeheartedly. Mm. So, you know, that makes a big difference, too. Yeah, doing things with others is always best, I think, uh, most of the time. So before we, I want to talk about the principles a little bit, but before we do that, describe like a day on the playa. Like when you, you know, even from the start, when you pull into the gate and, you know, there's, you have to buy tickets. So you have to, you know, not just everybody can just show up. This is a Woodstock. Um, So you have to buy a ticket, you get your ticket and months in advance, you drive all the way out there to the desert. And then what happens? Great. Well, maybe the easiest is just to describe our first day on the playa. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, I think, Anybody who, who is the burner will agree with me that the that no one ever forgets their first day in the playa. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other standout days and adventures that people recount. Uh, but that first day, when you're like a tabula rasa and you're just open and you're assaulted by this experience, uh, is really pretty indelible. The buildup is you as you mentioned, also is a big part of it. Uh, the anticipation. Getting tickets to Burning Man this is almost always a mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have they have a big online sale about six months before Burning Man, and everybody is poised with their, their mouses uh, ready to <laughs> click on purchase. And, and the minute it's 12 noon Pacific time, they, it goes, it opens. And they have to sell tens of thousands of tickets over what even to this day is a rickety uh, infrastructure <laughs> that crashes. You have to keep uh, <laughs> uh, keep uh, refreshing and things. And so when you finally get your ticket, it's this huge deal. And the first time I went uh, in 2013, I had given up on this idea of my bucket list. Um, mm. I was now, as you, 60 years old. Um, our daughter, uh, my wife Betsy and I, uh, our daughter Eli, was now a young adult. She was getting her master's at CalArts and very independent, living in California. So she she had come home for Christmas. What does she want for Christmas? A ticket to Burning Man. <laughs> so uh, we told her we'd pay for her ticket, and she got one. And a couple of months later, in the late spring, I'm on the phone with her and I said, so, hey, baby, so who are you going to go to Burning Man with? And she said, I haven't found anybody uh, that's going or no, I, nobody yet. And I said, oh, well, well, I'll tell you what, if the summer comes and you don't have anybody to go with, let me know and I'll try to find a ticket. And she just said, fuck that, you're going. <laughs> and she instantly got me on a on a waiting list and um and we got a ticket so getting to burning man was a mission i flew from miami to los angeles rented this huge rv from cruise america (laughs) and we piled it full of stuff along with a friend of hers who was a fire dancer and all of her crap 
which filled about <laughs> half the, the camper. Um, and I knew that they had strict, but you, in those days, you couldn't tell the RV company you were going to Burning Man. They wouldn't rent it to you. Wow. Uh, because you totally trash the thing out unless you learn what you're doing. And um, we drove, I drove for 14 hours. I was literally hallucinating at the end, and it was very dangerous. I should not have done it, but I just had to <laughs> yep. get there. And when we lo left Los Angeles, there was an enormous forest fire burning through the whole Sierra Nevadas. Mm. And we drove up on the east side through the desert, but right up through the mountains to the point where at one point I really thought we might asphyxiate it. The whole RV yeah. was full of smoke. Wow. It was three in the morning. And we drive up to this desert. We drive down, we get to Reno, and then we drive at night, uh, early morning, about 120 miles. And the sun, and we get to the entrance of this inland sea, this prehistoric inland sea. We drive in to the entrance. There are volunteers waving you in. And we come in to the gates and then you get in a line of vehicles mm -hmm. and there's every kind of vehicle from a motorcycle to road queen rvs and you slowly move up and you get to the gates there's about four or five of them wide and at each one is a team of volunteers that are all looking fucking amazing like in wild wonderful outfits and they board your vehicle and they look around to make sure you're not bringing bizarre things like chickens or something to the uh, playa. <laughs> and they also look for stowaways. Uh, tickets, uh. Um, tickets now are, you know, they've always been around $500. And so they're looking for stowaways. Um, and then when you're done, you come through and they direct you to another wide open area of this desert where they're is a line of volunteer manned entrance points each one with like a bell hanging and you drive up and they say is this your first burn and you say yes and they hand everyone who comes through a, a little guidebook uh -huh. and then they if it's your first burn they say get out <laughs> and you get out you have to do a snow angel, but a dust angel. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, in the dust angel. of the playa. Yeah. The, the, the surface of the playa is what I would imagine the surface of the moon looks like. Uh, it is talcum-like, kind of a, a whitish gray. And the minute, and I had told everybody, we're going to keep this RV clean because I don't want to pay $1,000 <laughs> for some, a cleaning fee. And we got back onto the rv and instantly everything in it was coated in dust just from that one experience we drove in we found our camp the city is uh like a half moon it's uh streets and avenues beautifully laid out mm -hmm. by the volunteers of of burning man and uh, we found our camp which at that year was directly on the Esplanade, which is the final row right off wow, the, the playa. Nice. So we had oceanfront property. <laughs> and uh, our camp was couch burners, which is uh, related to the uh, uh, couch surfing 
uh, group that where you can travel around the world and sleep on people's couches. And a young Peruvian guy who was the camp leader met us. And because we were an RV, we were asked to uh, park in a designated perimeter on the camp to serve as a, as a wind block. Um, at this point, Eli and I uh, get out of the camper uh, with our, our friend Denise, and we had junker uh, beach cruiser bicycles we'd gotten off mm -hmm. Craigslist. And we uh, we get off and the the camp leader takes us, shows us the camp and we walk to the edge of the camp to this esplanade and we look out and we absolutely, we were absolutely speechless. We could mm -hmm. not believe it. The, you, you have no way to gauge from videos or anything the sheer immensity of the playa. It, your breath is taken away. I'm excited to announce the release of my new book, Live Out Your List, Finding Joy Through a Bucket List Lifestyle. The book covers the three stages of the lifestyle, including bucket list mindset, bucket list creation, and bucket list management. It provides tips and strategies to enhance wherever you are in your bucket list journey. To learn more about the book and to receive 10% off when you purchase the ebook, visit crossingitoffpodcast.com backslash book. Purchase the book today and start to live out your list. Now back to the show. And out in the middle of it, and that year in particular, it was extraordinary. Right out in front of us, about a, about a, maybe a half a mile out, was the Burning Man. And that year, it was um, uh, designed by an architect named Louis Zaumeyer, who amazingly comes from Reno, Nevada. Hmm. And it was the really what's now iconic pavilion of the Burning Man that looks like a huge flying saucer. Uh, it was related to the theme that year of the cargo cult, where we keep waiting for uh, an alien creature to return again with these magical things that that made our lives possible and interesting. So we just looked at each other and said, oh my God, let's go. And we just grabbed our bike. And I'll never forget the feeling of flying out mm. early in the morning across with this cloudless sky. There were no dust storms yet. It was too early in the morning. And we just flew across and the feeling of leaving all of the baggage behind you and this complete freedom of flying across this playa on your bicycle and the whole playa flat as a, a pancake we've zoomed up to the man we went aboard the spaceship and and came down slides then we saw another incredible structure um that looked like a sort of a pyramid and we get over there and discover this beautiful structure all made out of 3d printed wood it was probably 75 feet high and wow. it had a little white picket fence around it i got off and my daughter and denise walked towards the entrance and i grabbed this competition frisbee and threw it towards them and it bounced off the little picket fence and with that the this girl who looked as though she was about six two in this tiny white bikini and white <laughs> space boots comes walking up 
And she had like a volunteer thing around her neck. And she said, I'm sorry, please don't throw that here. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to any harm. And she said, this is the temple. Mm. Oh, so we went and experienced the temple. The temple is something in which you can go in and, and think, reflect, pray, uh, do yoga, breathe, whatever whatever centers you. And everyone leaves mementos in mm. the temple. You can write on the beams of it. You can leave little recuerdos, uh, little uh, offerings, photographs. And the large majority um, are little mementos remembering uh, loved ones. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are pets that have that have departed. That was our day. We spent it flying across this vast expanse. We came back to our camp uh, and all helped prepare dinner. Uh, we volunteered as bartenders. The <laughs> camp always has this great open bar and a, a, like a, a dance floor. So we did that till maybe 10 o'clock at night. And right at sundown, suddenly you always hear EDM music everywhere you go but suddenly you hear this really loud edm music and it is like the march of the mutant vehicles down next to your between the camps roll these enormous extremely creative art cars uh almost all of them are equipped to belch huge clouds of propane fire um and they all are equipped with speakers of of some large and some enormous with DJs and open bars and they come cruising down. And after our bartender shift, um, we zoomed out on the playa on our bikes and we were almost immediately disoriented. And this kind of began in the morning when we went to the temple, we had a plan. We had made a plan. Okay, at this time, we'll, we'll all go to the center camp and have tea. At this time, we're all going to, because you look through the guidebook, you go, right. we're going to go to the Thunderdome and see people uh, swinging across it, fighting. Then at this time, we're going to go over to this massage camp and whatever. Right. Well, when we left that temple about eight in the morning, all of our plans disappeared, and I think we kind of saw each other once in a while over the next um, next 10 hours, but it was very hit or miss. Uh, and that night, um, out on the playa, everything is LED lighting and flames, and you have never seen anything quite so jewel-like magical in your life. It's, it's just magical and absorbing, and you just rush out into it and you're surrounded by it and you immediately are taken by just sheer serendipity you you just explore and you'll meet people and they'll go oh no you got to come with us to the pickle joint what's the pickle <laughs> joint oh and you go over there and you're suddenly you've lost your other friends and you're now with new people and this went on until it got to be pretty late at you know early in the morning i would say like two in the morning and i thought I better find, uh, go back to camp and check on my daughter, <laughs> um, who I had arrived 
with with this great feeling of protection for her and love for her and very quickly realized she's on her own she, I, she's she's doing it and i looked back and realized i didn't have any idea where my camp was i didn't know any direction at all and i spent the next um hour at least getting completely lost and people going oh oh i think that's over there <laughs> and and after that first night it was a lot easier in any case uh the rest of the night was filled with uh going down little streets going back out onto the playa and then finally uh going to bed probably around uh, five in the morning and that was just our our first night and then yeah. things got a little a little more amazing after that with enhancements. So, I can imagine. So talk to us a little bit about the, these principles or tenets that, that, you know, everyone's asked to adhere to when they're in Burning Man, especially the consumerism. One, the ones that deal with consumerism are definitely interesting that people should understand if they're thinking about putting this. So there's, so there's the, the economy used on the play is what they call a gifting economy. Describe what that looks like on a daily basis. Like uh, from my understanding, all you can, the only things you can buy when you're out there are coffee and ice, right? There's and you've done your homework. You've done your homework. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, It's a very interesting concept and it takes a little bit of uh, getting used to. It's closely tied um, to the idea of um, radical self-reliance. First of all, everyone is intended to arrive self-sufficient, primarily with water, because Mm -hmm. there is zero humidity. Days are in the 90s. uh, There is brilliant sun. And then nights... um, go down so so cold that one night it it, it snowed wow. um and uh so it's regularly you know in the low 50s low 40s sometimes so you have to be prepared but the other thing is taking care of each other mm-hmm. uh there's this um you know cliche the playa will provide and the playa is sort of like the mother and uh no matter what happens uh, you trust in fate and playa it's by coincidence it always seems to come through and gifting is like that uh, the idea of gifting uh, is to have something with you that that you find inspiring and kind of special that you'd like to share with others because of this decommodification you're not allowed to barter for things for instance uh, you mm. can't go to somebody and say I'll give you a quart of scotch if you give me a five-gallon thing of water. No, you simply have to say, "I think you need a five. I think you need some scotch," <laughs> and you just simply mag- magnanimously give these to people that move you or people that don't. Um, you could give it to somebody that pisses the shit out of you. <laughs> um, and, but. The f- cool thing about gifting, uh, we, we always bring, you know, each one of us brings something that we think is kind of special. But the cool thing about gifting is that, I don't know why, but it always you always seem to be given a gift when you're least expecting it. Hmm. You're lost, middle of a dust storm, you are so tired, and you're angry, you're frustrated, and all of a sudden someone goes, hey, and they hand you a 
beautiful stone. And it uh, changes the way uh, mm. you're thinking. Uh, for instance, when I had that experience, my first burn, where I got completely disoriented, um, I learned to pick some kind of a landmark. It could be a 90-foot high inflated gorilla wearing a tutu <laughs> uh, or an elephant with its trunk in the air. I picked some kind of a landmark that I would use as my orientation point. So one year I brought, I found beautiful little solid brass compasses with a fluid-filled hmm. uh, compass rose that were just beautiful. And I put them on little lanyards. And if I had had enough time, I would have put BM 2015 on them or something, mm -hmm. just as a memento. But um, I would give those out occasionally, and people would love them. And what's really beautiful is when you go back for another burn, you'll run into people, and they're wearing it. Mm. So people tend to accumulate these gifts and, and use them again. Uh, but that's it. It's it's really simply expressing your love for your uh, fellow humans in a way that has no strings and no expectations except maybe a, a hug. Yeah, it's a radical concept for sure, and uh, especially here in the states. And 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 along those lines, you know, you would open this up asking about misconceptions about Burning Man, and I think people frequently think that um that at burning man you know you can buy things from people there are vendors and things like that there's none of that and it it's remarkable how how much time it takes to get used to that idea that you're not constantly being given things or offered things with an with a hidden agenda mm -hmm. What's the one thing that you were surprised at the end of your eight, nine days that you walked away from, especially in your first burn, your first experience? What was the, what was that thing that changed you or was heightened in you from, from having crossed this item off your list? Um, I would, I would say um, two things. Uh, the first one is the way I look at other people. Um mm -hmm. My second day, or third day, I guess it was a Tuesday, I was still getting used to Burning Man. Now I get accustomed to it uh, much quicker. Uh, but on Tuesday morning, it was daybreak. I'm having a cigarette and a cup of coffee outside, and I see these two men my age, uh, but with paunches. And they go walking by with these pink tutus on, <laughs> And their dicks hanging down and they went walking by and I saw a couple other people with tutus and I turned to my daughter and I said, what a bunch of bullshit. And see those guys with those tutus on. And she turned to me and she said, it's tutu Tuesday, dad. And it's burning and it's burning man. Get over it. <laughs> and it was like this. It was like this slap. And I went, holy shit. I do I really think of people that do I have these re knee jerk reactions to others? That's not the way I I, I should be and or, or want to be, and I'm, that's not me. And it immediately changed me, and I've never gone back. the uh -huh. the other The other thing was, and it's again tied to this decommodification, was when we were out on the playa. I knew, of course, that the 
that the man would burn at the end of our mm -hmm. experience. But I thought they'd burn the man on the last night. They don't. They burn the man on the penultimate night, on Saturday night. But what I didn't understand was all of the other magnificent wooden structures, handcrafted, mm -hmm. uh, like the temple, they didn't uh, pack this up and take it away. They burned the goddamn thing. And I thought, wow. And it's so tied to this idea of learning to be able to create beauty, love things, and then completely embrace their ephemeral nature, that they, mm. they go away. And the cycle continues. And especially with Burning Man, the next year or after we started going every two years, you come back and there'd be a whole new beautiful thing to fall in love with, knowing full well that you, you'd have to give it up. You know? That's amazing. I'm going to ask you one more question, but I, you know, we could probably sit here all day and talk about this. And I love that. Um, what's something else that's like completely different than Burning Man that you would like to cross off your, your bucket list? Um, well, before I say that, I just have to say two other things mm -hmm. about Burning sure. Man. Um, I mentioned the tickets are always difficult. Um, they canceled Burning Man in 2020 and 2021 due to the pandemic. Uh, we were brokenhearted. We gave one ticket back to uh, the Burning Man Foundation as a gift from 2020, and we sold the other ticket back to Burning Man. This year, we were all excited, and we have everything planned. Our daughter, her new husband, John Hunter, we ha and friends from Miami who we've brought into Burning Man, like Yuri, all excited, and we couldn't get tickets. Mm. And we couldn't get tickets. And everybody tried to feel optimistic. And yesterday, yesterday was the oh my God sale, the last chance to get a ticket yeah. when they they just let 5,000 tickets out and we didn't get tickets. Ugh. And all of a sudden, uh, Eli's husband, John, texted, I got tickets. He, <laughs> and he got a couple tickets. So by coincidence, um, because this talk has, with you has been planned for quite a while. Um, we managed to get tickets. So Betsy and I are again, I'm going for my fifth burn, wow. Betsy for her fourth, and I guess Eli and John for their sixth or seventh. Wow. Uh, so we're super excited and we're starting to get self-reliant really quickly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, as far as um, something else in my bucket list, um, I have worked in about 25 of the poorest countries around the world. Mm for over 20 years uh, in my past life. I have never been to Italy. And my wife, Betsy, who is a world traveler, has never been to Italy. I think that's a so no-brainer. That's, that's yeah. on my bucket list. And yeah. uh, in, in October, another on my bucket list, Betsy and I are going with our son, Henry, and we're surfing Southern Portugal. So nice. we're ready. Awesome. David, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experience and maybe hopefully uh, demystifying some of Burning Man for other people and uh, that have it on their list. I appreciate it greatly. And uh, I'm excited you get to go again this year. Thank you, Roger. And anybody that sees this, if you really want to get a feeling for the first year at Burning Man, watch the fabulous YouTube, YouTube video that's a joke about the young guy who comes back from his first burn 
comes home to his girlfriend and tries to describe it to her. It's absolutely hilarious, and it's absolutely true. Awesome. I will put that in the show notes uh, along with the other links for Burning Man so that people that are doing that can or have an idea. That's a great suggestion. I appreciate that. David, thank you so much for being here and enjoy your, your future burns. Thank you, Roger. See you on the playa, okay? As a reminder to our listeners, in this episode's show notes, you will find links to learn more about this week's guests and information on how you can cross this item off of your list. You can follow my adventures of crossing items off my bucket list on Instagram and Facebook, and as always, new episodes of this podcast are available to stream every Friday morning. We will meet you here next week, and until then, keep living out your list. <laughs>